Well, good morning. How are you doing today? Good. Most of you will know who they are, but I want to take a minute and introduce the people who've joined me on the stage today, just in case you don't. To my immediate left and your right is Dr. Brandon Hill. Yeah. Brandon is Vice President of Life Calling and Integrative Learning. And uh, sometimes you have a title that people go, huh? And that's kind of one of those titles, I think. And so I've tried to sum it up by ba basically saying Brandon and his team work really hard to help ensure your success as well-rounded people. They supervise stuff like NSO and residential life and student engagement and a bunch of other things. It feels like you do half the supervise about half the residential campus. I don't know about that, but, but uh, thanks for joining us, Brandon. Next to him is Dr. Keith Newman. Yeah, we notice it's not quite as good, the applause. Uh, Dr. Newman's title is CEO of the residential campus at IWU. We have a non-residential side that's all over the state and Ohio and Kentucky and online everywhere. And then we have the residential side, which is us. And Dr. Newman is basically supervises us and every, all of the leaders on campus eventually report up to you. And he leads us with vision along with Dr. Wright, who's the president of the university. And um, he is a great leader. Next to him is Dr. Lena Crusoe. Yeah. Lena is the Director of Intercultural Learning and Engagement here at IWU, and her office is charged with leading some of the work of diversity and inclusion on the residential campus. How, how do we connect with each other effectively, even though we're different? And I'm, I'm John Bray, and I'm Dean of the Chapel. Oh, that's pitiful when you have to beg. It's Lena who gets the winning applause here. And uh, I'm in charge of what goes on here in the chapel, and then the residential hall chaplains and the worship leaders and that kind of stuff that we do. We're here to have a conversation with you today. Last year, I was part of a team that was charged with writing a new philosophy for this setting to say, how do we do and why do we do what we do? And we realized this is the place where the most number of people gather with the greatest frequency. And it's our goal that we celebrate Christ's love for us and what he has done to draw us together and to better shape ourselves into Christ's likeness. We want to do what we do better. So we just said, why do we do what we do? And we came up with some things, and I'm not going to read it because it's a long document, and it took us months to get all the I's dotted right and the T's crossed right and that word instead of this word. But basically, we say we want this to be a place with great spiritual formation that has intellectual integrity. It's not just your emotions that we want to engage. It's the heart and the head in a way that makes sense to us and makes sense to God. <clears throat> it's a practical event. We don't just want to talk about faith kind of stuff. We want to talk about how you live it in your everyday life. We say it's a preparatory event. We want to get you ready not only to live today, but to live tomorrow. One of the things sometimes we talk about at this university, and basically it's true at every university, is we live in some kind of bubble. And here we have talk about the Iwo bubble, and we're pretty well surrounded by people chasing God together. And um, then comes a day, eight months for some, from now for some of you, or 
four years from now for others of you when you graduate and you get out into the world that when you say, well, the Bible says doesn't always nod its head and go, uh-huh, oh, yeah, I agree with you. I get it now. But sometimes we'll push us. And we want to we use some of our times here just to engage discussions about how do you have conversations with people who don't necessarily nod their head when you say the Bible says? How can we be well enough equipped to have those hard conversations in a world that's not as receptive to the faith life as we wish it would be? And so we're going to take a couple times every semester, we think, and have conversations about more challenging stuff, harder stuff, maybe stuff we wouldn't otherwise talk about in chapel to help us be better equipped to be people of God and of influence in a world that's uh, not necessarily receptive to us. We celebrate the rich diversity that we have, but we make no apologies for the fact that this is a uh, Wesleyan evangelical school, that we have the Bible as our foundation, and uh, we'll just choose to cling to that, even as we talk about different stuff. Some images that I kind of use for us is that this is like a thermostat where we want to help set the spiritual temperature of campus. We don't do it alone. It happens in your classrooms. It happens in your residence halls. But this is a, uh, not just a temperature-taking time. This is a temperature-setting kind of time. It's like a water fountain or a water cooler maybe at work where you gather around to have conversation. It's, uh, it's like a compass that points the direction and says that's where we need to go. And in some ways, it's like a weight room where hopefully we'll do the hard work of developing some spiritual muscles so we can be what uh, God wants us to be and do what God wants us to do. So that's what chapel is trying to, to do. We'll see how well we succeed at that in this, these years, but that's our goal. And I'd love to engage you in conversations about that if you'd care to. But let me tell you why we're here today specifically. We're here to engage one of those challenging topics, um, to take a practical approach about, about dealing well with one another when there may be disagreement. Now, I will tell you, this is the first time I've done this in this setting, and um, we have no idea how well this will go. It may bomb. And if it bombs, would you give us grace? And because we'll try to do it better next time. And if it goes really well, we'll try to do it better next time as well, because we're always trying to do it better. And uh, whatever we talk about today, SGA is going to hold a forum tonight in the Commons. And if you want to engage in that forum, you can get some chapel credit. So if you've already missed one, uh, that'd be one way to make it up and have a productive discussion at the same time. So tonight, uh, Dr. Hill will talk to us about that in a little bit. So, last spring, uh, there was a demonstration on campus about Governor Pence coming to be the speaker for commencement. Some of it had to do with his positions on LGTBQ kind of stuff. And um, we believe the Bible has something to say about that, what's right, what's wrong, but it also has something to say about being gracious with each other, about the attitude we ought to have with one another. Last spring, we had an incident on campus where there was a, I mean, we don't know that it was on campus, might have been off campus, but it was with, involving one of our students, an African-American student who had his car defaced. And we've made a commitment towards diversity here, and things like that bring stress 
not only into an individual's life, but into all of our lives as we try to figure out how to navigate that and uh, how, we, how we relate to one another. Now, I don't know if you've noticed, but we're in the middle of a political season where there's just a lot of garbage talked about with about different candidates. And some of us have passionately held beliefs about politics or about LGBTQ or about something or another where we might come in conflict with one another. And so today, what we want to talk about is hospitality, which doesn't seem like a controversial subject as long as you agree with the person that's sitting in the circle with you. But when it becomes controversial is not only when you disagree, but when you disagree passionately, or when you're clearly different and struggle to find that common ground. So, so we want to talk about how to get, deal with that person who is other than ourselves when they are different, when they appear different, when they might look different, when they hold passionately different or divergent views? How do we deal with each other when we are convinced that we are right and they're wrong? Because that comes up in our lives much of the time. So Dr. Hill, I'd like to turn to you to kick us off. One of the areas that's a reality in this university is that we've developed sort of a new policy about human sexuality. And... Um, I'm wondering if you might care to comment how things are a little different and what do we do about that stuff? Sure. Yeah, um, we've been developing, I think, over the last two or three years, a statement on human sexuality to help guide us as we think about how to interact with uh, this topic. And I think uh, that the, the protests that occurred at the end of last semester uh, was really helpful timing as we were thinking about uh, finalizing uh, that document. And um, the document is in the appendix at the end of the student handbook. So again, I'm not going to read through the whole thing. Uh, Thank that you. Is, that's something that, <laughs> that uh, you can explore, but I can share with you. It's had many eyes, many hours, many kinds of people looking at it to, to say, where is a place that we want to make a stand as, as we engage this uh, topic, which, as you shared, is a very controversial and difficult topic in this uh, day and age. And so I just want to summarize, I think, maybe three main themes that have come from that that I think will help inform how we move forward. Uh, the first uh, really is, is that we, the statement affirms uh, the Wesleyan Church's document, uh, documents on uh, this subject. Uh, Indiana Wesleyan isn't going to believe differently yeah. uh, than our sponsoring church, and that's important for us uh, to realize. And I don't think that that is a surprise. Mm -hmm. Uh, the other two parts, I think, are things that are new for us that we really do need to engage. Uh, one is uh, a commitment to being hospitable, to showing uh, respect, uh, to uh, being civil as we have conversations uh, about this particular tough topic, which is part of what's uh, echoed in the new chapel philosophy as well. We're going to talk about uh, tough things. And we need to be respectful and civil as, as we have those discussions, but also within our community. And then the third theme that comes out of that statement is really a commitment uh, to places for discussion, prayer, discernment. Uh, we're not going to be afraid to talk about this tough topic along with other ones. Uh, and, and we need to do that uh, in, a, in a kind, hospitable way. 
Um, so what does that look like? What yeah. does that mean, those discussions? Well, I think a chapel like this, where we explore ideas that maybe are a little different, uh, is one way. Uh, the forums that we'll have tonight and throughout the semester that SGA is partnering with you on are another place where we may explore ideas that are a little different uh, than, our, than our own, and so that we can learn uh, to listen, uh, we can engage those kinds of things. And so tonight at 7.30 is the first of those. Uh, the topic is loving our neighbor, and it, we're gonna go over a range of different kinds of things, and I'd encourage you to participate in that. Uh, but also, uh, in the statement, there's a desire for us to walk alongside people who are journeying uh, on a journey of sexual identity. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think uh, th that we've had kind of a false rumor out there that you're not allowed to be something other than heterosexual if you're here. And, and uh, I don't think that that's true. We recognize that people are on a journey. We do have an expectation for behavior, uh, but we want people to come as they are and we wanna walk on that journey sure. with them. And so as part of that, this year we're starting a, uh, a new program called Safe Zones. Uh, particularly for people who are wanting to explore what sexual identity means for them and how they uh, align that with their faith. Um, and so we're calling it Safe Zones. Uh, we're not really going to have a big old program about it, uh, but if that's something that you want to explore, there are a group of faculty and staff who've been trained in how to have that journey with students. Um, uh, there's a little symbol we have, it's a little dove, and it says Safe Zone. You might see those on some faculty or staff doors or windows. Okay. Um, if, if you don't see that and you want to engage that, you can talk to myself or Lena or your RDs. We'll all know who those people are who can engage uh, in that journey of talking through those things. I think one of the things that's important here is that we very rarely uh, make life decisions and theological decisions right in the moment. Mm -hmm. They take time. Mm. And uh, we have to walk alongside people in community as they're exploring uh, those topics. And I think it's the same uh, for us. I shared with you earlier, this is a new thing for us. We, we have to not pretend that we have it all together. Right. We're journeying in this as well, in this new day and age, new political uh, situation. So how do, we, how do we learn and walk together in this? And I think that's part of what's important. So we've agreed on, a, um, I suggested some questions we might ask, but I want to ask a different one that we didn't talk about just to, to get in some engagement here. You used two words. You used being civil and you used being hospitable. Um, you don't never want to ask a yes, no question. So I'm going to suggest that I think it may be possible to be civil to someone but not really be hospitable. How would you, what, what would we see as that might be the difference there? You know, as I, as I look at the definition of the word hospitable, it is to welcome a stranger with warmth and generosity. And so I do think we want to be a hospitable place. Uh, the, a little confusion with the word hospitable is who, whose place is it? Mm. And to some extent, this is a Wesleyan institution, so there is some uh, avenue of uh, this is Wesleyan and we're going to be hospitable to other ideas. Uh, but at the same time, we don't require a statement of faith for people to join mm -hmm. the community as students. And so we have to recognize that part of hospitality is all of us being hosp hospitable to each other and inviting each other to the table. And I think civility and respect hit that a little bit better in that it's not just our table that we're being hospitable at, 
but that we are all sharing in that together. So I think civility and respect, which is the language that our statement uses, is a little broader. Either one of you want to jump in on that? Yes, I do. Thank you. I feel awkward that there's people back here. Hi. Hey. I'm not being hospitable. I'm so sorry. Um, yeah, first of all, I just am so thankful to be here with my colleagues and friends. Um, I think it's important to understand hospitality in a broader sense, because if you only land on, to, Brand, uh, to Dr. Hill's point, um, this idea of welcoming, then there's always the guest. There's always the one that doesn't belong. And diversity and being an Indiana Wesleyan University are not exclusive. They're not mutually exclusive. In fact, it's because we are Indiana Wesleyan University that we stand on this heritage, right? This tradition. We have pioneers in our, in our um, faith tradition that we're already blazing the trail for beyond hospitality. This idea that there's a sense that God is already calling us into this place of belonging together so that in our sameness and in our differences and our uniqueness, we have an abundance of open arms and that it's co-mutual. So to Dr. Hill's point, when we think about hospitality, it's important that you get beyond this idea that we roll out the welcome mat. Mm -hmm. Because if that's all we are sufficiently content with, we would have never been invited into the salvation of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And so this is a spiritual opportunity. So when you think of hospitality, we want to encourage you to think beyond this idea of welcoming. Can you go beyond always having a guest? Can we go beyond and say that there's a belonging? Not just that our table looks different, not that this platform looks different, but around that table, there's a sense that I'm better because we're all around that table. Dr. Newman, there's a, you're engaging a, another question a little bit later, but I've uh, heard you talk about grace and truth. And uh, we identified that there are some Wesleyan core values based on biblical teaching uh, about this whole area of the LGBTQ thing, for instance. And I'm wondering, uh, how do we balance this search for grace along with adhering to truth? How do you... Yeah, those are two, my two favorite words probably from uh, Scripture, and, and so if you hang around me very long, you're going to hear them uh, quite often. About the time that most of you were born, um, there was kind of a revision, or uh, not, a, not a revision, a revisit of a book that was written back about the turn of the, the previous century uh, called In His Steps. It was written by Charles Sheldon. And, and the concept was, uh, it was a, a fictional story, but it was about a pastor who challenged his congregation to, to ask and answer and then to live out the question, what would Jesus do? So uh, some uh, clever marketers uh, got a hold of that and they began to uh, create bracelets and necklaces and bumper stickers, WWJD. Some of you may have have them or have seen them around. But I think to, to answer that question, um, you gotta know who Jesus was. And, and I think one of the best answers, and it's a complicated answer, but one of the best answers is found in, in the first chapter of John, the Gospel of John, where it says Jesus came from the Father full of grace and truth. 
So Dr. Crusoe was talking about that, you know, anybody can be hospitable. You know, you, you could go to IU or Purdue and you could find hospitality. You, you don't have to be Christian. But we take our, our guidance, not just from the Wesleyan Church, right. as we all know, but from Jesus. Yeah. So, so what would Jesus do? So let me uh, play a little game with the audience. Can I do that? Sure. Um, <laughs> You're my boss. Yeah. No. <laughs> All right, so, so can I stand up to play the game? All right, so I'm going to stand up and play the game here because I don't sit very well. So here, here's the game. I'm going to give you the first half of a, uh, a duo, um, some famous duos, and then you yell out the second half of the duo. We'll see, if, see how bright you are, how awake you are. So, so here we go. Batman and? Very, very good. Green eggs and? Uh, Dr. Seuss fans, I, I love that. Uh, peanut butter and? Very, very good. Now, some people say bananas, but those people are sick. There's something wrong with, uh, with, with those people. Let's go to the Bible and see, let's see how well you do in the Bible. Adam and? Eve. David and? Eve. Jonah and? Eve. Oh, man, you, you, you bought it, hook, line, and sinker. All right, so here's the deal. <clears throat> when you start talking about grace and truth, you got to understand, just as Dr. Bray has said, how, how difficult a challenge that is to put those two things together. Mm -hmm. so, so here's my belief based on living a few years. Most of us are wired up one way or the other. We're, we either tend to be grace people that just everywhere we go, we love people and we extend grace, or we're truth people. And everywhere we go, we quote scripture. Now, Quoting scripture is good, and giving grace is good, except when you have a moment in your life where somebody really needs truth and you give them grace. Yeah. Or a moment in your life where somebody really needs grace and you thump them with a Bible scripture. So how do you, how do you get grace and truth to work together? Well, I, I, I love the Jonah illustration. I believe that the, the big fish, the whale, was grace in Jonah's life. He had messed up and God sent this big fish to swallow him and gave him a few days in the belly of the whale to think about where he was. But you know, there's another character in that story that nobody ever connects with Jonah. But it's in the fourth chapter, it's a worm. And the worm in Jonah's life, I think became truth in his life. It, it ate up the, the tree and he ended up getting a really bad sunburn. And I think that, that when it comes to grace and truth, you have to work hard to understand who you are, how you were, were wired up, maybe how you were raised, what your natural reaction is, and then to understand that, that you need both grace and truth. So sometimes you send a whale and sometimes you, you send a worm, but you gotta do it at the right time. I will give you one last tip about that. If you're uncertain, extend grace. Yeah. When I look at the life of Jesus and I look at the interactions that he had in, in every instance that I can find, he led with grace, but I also can find that moment in each of those interactions where he gave them truth. Mm -hmm more than you probably wanted. Right, yeah, thank you. Anything else? No. 
comments? Well, I, I appreciate that so much because one of the things that I was taught early on um, after my salvation, coming out of Hinduism into Christ, one of the best things that um, really began to speak to me because I came out of a moment at the altar where someone said to me, and many of you have heard me say this, now you need to denounce your heritage. And I spent about 12 years trying to figure out how to not be Indian. Hmm. And this most gracious, truthful, gracious, truthful human being approached me and said, Lena, careful that you don't get caught up in figuring out that too much because you will miss God's love. And that was 12 years into my salvation where I was still trying to figure that out. You know, I'm 25 years old in Christ. I like saying that, just so you know. <laughs> but to Dr. Newman's point, it's so important that you wrestle that out. You know, we're, we forget that we need to listen more because when you listen more, you're a better learner. Yeah. Yeah. Lena, yeah. you've introduced us to a natural segue to one other thing we wanted to talk about Great. today. Cool. And uh, that's, uh, you know, you have, you were born in India. And uh, in India, you were the majority culture. Yeah. And then you came to the United States where you were not. And it's easy for us, for those from a majority culture to not be hospitable, to make cultural missteps, uh, to, with those who are from a non-majority culture. And at IWU, we really want to be a welcoming, the word hospitable again, I guess, uh, group of people. And so I'm wondering what suggestions you might have for us. You, know, you, you can't stop being Indian, nor should you. But how do we connect as uh, you know, an Irish-American yeah. person and um, an Indian person or whatever cultural backgrounds we might have. Well, I think the main thing that we have in common is that your heritage begins with an I and so does mine. Yeah. I'm kidding. I'm sorry. <laughs> my and jokes, yours is my jokes I, always yeah. die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yours is I-N, which comes before I-R, so there you go. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think that... I think I would like to just emphasize the three things about God's reconciling work, which is there's always been separation after pre-Genesis 3, right? And so we were all separated, all humanity, all of us in all our distinctives of diversity. And so this idea that God began the work to reconcile us back to him, I, I think as we walk this out together in this place called Indiana Wesleyan University that sits in Marion, that sits in Indiana, that sits in the United States of America, that sits in the world, the way that we can walk that out best is to, number one, work on understanding yourself. Really know who you are. And then begin to think about who is in your places and spaces with you, and then begin to understand them. But do you realize that in any arena, one of us is the them right now? Mm 
Like, I would choose to believe that you're the other, not me. <laughs> Three wonderful males who are white. But to me, you're the other. But isn't that... Okay, and Dr. Newman wants me to say handsome, so... Um, <laughs> but I don't notice that. So... Um, <laughs> Let's, let's be hospitable. Thank you, brothers. Thank you, brothers. Thank you, brothers. But um, so always remember that at any given time, you're the other. You're the other. I'm the other. Who's the other? Well, to God, there isn't that. And so then to the third place of reconciliation, we come to this idea that we are reconciling then with each other. You know, I've always found that talking less is not one of my fortes, but I'm learning that talking less actually is better because talking a lot creates a sense of you being tone deaf. You don't hear and listen to what you need to listen to. So those would be the three things that I would encourage. So what would you suggest? Um, you know, we're 3,000 students on this yeah. campus and a couple thousand of us right here now. Uh, there are a lot of words that are going to come out of our mouths in the next week or two or three or just mm -hmm. today. And some of them are going to be misspoken or missteps or someone will say something or do something that, that um, won't contribute to the us. Yeah. What then? I think the first thing is relax. We've got to relax. We've created a human-made spirit of offense that I think complicates it, right? So, oh, I can't talk to Crusoe because I'll say something dumb like, oh, I like chicken curry, and then everyone will be, oh, I shouldn't have said that, yeah. you know. <laughs> I do, by the way, right, yeah. you know? Oh, that was really dumb. Now, I, now when I see her, I can't ever talk to her because she'll only remember me. No, I think we need to relax, and I think two simple words. They're so easy. This isn't an issue of repentance or, you know, come to the altar, make it right about the chicken curry thing. No. All you got to say is, man, Crusoe, I'm sorry. Like, that's the first place I went with you. But you know what? I know you're more than the sum of curry. So, you know, let's talk. And then I'll say, yeah, let's talk over chicken curry. I'll make you some. But, um, like, relax. I would say yeah. relax. When we misstep, relax. Your generation is the best chilled out generation. Live in that. Live chill and relax and just go to someone and say, man, I shouldn't have said that. One of the neat things that happens even in this arena here, you know, we've all said to each other, correct me, tell me when yeah. I shouldn't have said that. Should I have said that? You know, and so I would say when you misstep, relax and tell the person, wow, yeah. I'm sorry. You did that with me in the last two weeks. I did. Yeah, and I appreciated it, yeah. by the way. So, um, you know, we could talk for another hour or two, but there are classes to, to get to. And I want to give Dr. Newman the last word here. Uh, what dreams do you have? What do you hope for us? Well, there's, there's hundreds of things that I, I wish we could talk about, but uh, let me just talk about three. One is I want this campus to be a, a place of, of great communication where really we can talk about anything. And uh, I think Dr. Crusoe, Dr. Hill, Dr. Bray, all three have said this. Um, I'm learning uh, what James tries to teach us in the, the New Testament about being slow to speak, 
mm-hmm. and quick to listen. And, and I think that is a huge part of communication is just, you know, in this, in this day of instant messaging and text messaging and Twitter and Snapchat and all kinds of other things, there's, and Yik Yak, Yik Yak is yeah. my favorite. <clears throat> Actually, I'm I've never so tempted to check it right yeah, now. I know. I've never seen Yik Yak, and that's because I have established that boundary in my life because I, I have enough things in my life to discourage me that I, I don't want to <laughs> read about how handsome we are. Um, so, you know, but I, I just think that, that, you know, we have an opportunity to, to really uh, elevate... Um, the bars that relates to communication and just be able to talk about anything and, and I love your, your word, relax. Um, the second thing that, that I would say is I want us to be a place that um, we do what, what 1 Corinthians 12 talks about. You know, there, there are moments as a community, we've experienced this in the last few weeks, where we mourn together. Mm-hmm. And then there are also moments where we've experienced in the last few weeks where we celebrate together. And, and and so if we could be a visual demonstration to the city of Marion, the county of Grant, the state of Indiana, the United States, around the world, of what it means to, to live together, to work together, to pray together, to play together as the body of Christ, that's a, that's a hope and, and dream for me. And then the, the third piece, and, and we've all touched on this too, or you all have touched on this too, and that is, I want us to be a place that learns. I mean, there is so much to, about this particular topic to learn. So Dr. Vermilia is, is here, and Dr. Vermilia taught me something a few years ago that I gotta be honest, I, I had no idea, but he taught me something about business cards, hmm. and, and specifically as it related to greeting some guests that we had from another country. Now, in our country, it would not be uncommon at all for us to be sitting around a table to, to go to exchange business cards, and if somebody was way across the table, just to slide the business card across the table to them. Or if there was a phone number that, uh, that you needed to provide or, or a note that was not on your business card, you'd whip out your business card and you'd, you'd write that. Well, Dr. Vermilia taught me that, that in this particular culture, you never do that. In fact, you, you hold the business card with two hands when you make it as a presentation to uh, your guest because it's a sign of, of respect. You receive it the same way. That was knowledge that I did not have. Maybe all of you are already, let me take a survey. How many of you knew that? Anybody, you already knew that? Wow, wow well, I'm impressed. <clears throat> You're much more culturally intelligent than I am. But Dr. Vermilion taught me. And I've learned a lot of things uh, as I've listened to Dr. Crusoe and, and to others about this whole issue. So, so we've gotta be a good learning uh, place. Then last but not least, and it's related to this, I, I want us to make sure that we get better in everything that we do. And so we spend a lot of time talking about that. We want to get better in every office on campus. We want to we get better in the classroom. We want to get better in chapel. We, we, we want to do the best that we can. And, and when we do really well, we still, as you said, we, we want to get better. Maybe the best example that I know is the fountain. You know, we, we tore out the fountain. The fountain was just kind of a basic fountain that was, was some place that, that apparently a lot of people loved, but it wasn't the most attractive place on campus. And to be honest with you, when it was built originally, there wasn't a lot of um, symbolism that went into that. But we tore it out and we put in a new 
campus fountain. Many of you have participated in the foot washing services uh, since that time. And, and there was that, that new fountain was built with great intentionality with, with a, a, a reference to the past, the triangle, and, and how the university started with a very small triangle piece of property back in 1920. And so we did something new. And, and what that says to me is what I hope that, that, that we all recognize is that we're going to have to grow in this together. And sometimes you got to tear down things, including attitudes. Sometimes you've got to destroy and, and ask for forgiveness for, for attitudes and, and for actions and maybe for, for words, and then build something new yeah. together. Good. Good. Thanks. Would you, uh, as we draw this to a close, pray for us? I will. Let's stand. Father, one of the blessings that we have is to pray a prayer that your son Jesus taught us that starts with those words, our Father. It's not my Father, it's our Father. Collectively, as the body of Christ, you've given us a great privilege to learn about each other, to love each other, to be salt and light to a world that is living in darkness and that's very, very thirsty. And in many cases, they don't even know what they're thirsty for. So here's my prayer for us today. I pray that you would help us to live lives of grace and truth, with the knowledge of when to extend grace and when to stand for truth, and to do that in a way that brings honor and glory to you. We pray these things in the strong name of Jesus and all God's people said. Amen. Amen. God bless you.